0: Welcome to episode four of the Tanner Tax Podcast. I'm Garrett Kerner, and we'll get started here shortly, but wanted to let everyone know that this podcast is provided for general information purposes only and does not constitute accounting, legal, tax, or other professional advice. Listeners should definitely seek out proper uh, advice from an accountant, financial planner, lawyer, or other professional. Uh, before acting upon anything that's in this podcast. Thanks for joining us today. With that, let me introduce our guest today. We have with us Sean Marchant. He's a principal in our office. He focuses on R&D tax credits. Sean, welcome.
1: Hey, Garrett. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. Watching the snow fall down in the late
0: afternoon of uh, Friday. So we're in March, March 8th, just to give listeners context, Friday, March 8th, we're in downtown Salt Lake in the Key Bank building, and it just started snowing, so uh, not quite out of the woods with the weather. We should do this at the top of the mountain. That's right. Next and, time. And then take a rundown. <laughs> Next time. Uh, R&D credits. So Sean, for, for the listeners, Sean has done R&D his whole career. Spent time with Big Four, uh, was out on his own a little while, and then joined us here at Tanner late last year. Uh, Has seen it both on the large scale and on the small scale. Today we're going to go a little deep. We're not going to talk about the R&D credit as a whole, even though we'll mention it, but specifically the R&D play with respect to payroll tax. So maybe give the listeners... Just a sense of, you know, the overall R&D, it typically applies to companies with income, but a few years ago, Congress changed the rules and will allow smaller companies to monetize the R&D credit against their payroll tax.
1: That's right. So just to give a little background and context, the R&D credit is nothing new in the tax code. It has been around since 1981 when Congress enacted it. It's part of um, a broad package of incentives, and then it's been modified a few times, but has never really been over the course of those what now almost forty years, um, never really been a part of a permanent part of the tax code until a couple years ago. And uh, moreover, startups and and uh, pre-profit companies of a certain size were never really able to take advantage of the R and D credit because it's an income tax cr- credit. So unless you're generating taxable income, uh, you know, it didn't provide much of an incentive. Well, a couple of years ago, this would have been 2016, before the great Tax Reform Act, um, Congress decided to do two things. They made it permanent, so no more one-year or two-year sunsets, and then a lobbying effort to make it, um, bring it back in and, and uh, renew it. So they made it permanent, and then they extended it down to startup companies and NOLs, uh, law pre-profit companies of a certain size. So what they enabled them to do is take those companies to take the R&D credit uh, and apply it against payroll taxes. Now it's not all of payroll taxes; you can't offset the full nut. But they limit it limited it to the offset of the 6.2% OASDI portion, and we commonly refer to that as the social security p- component. So that's what they did and that's been a real boon for startup companies. A lot of my clients uh, these last couple of years have been startups. Uh, as you know Garrett, we've worked together on a number of them. These are companies that wouldn't have ever thought about the R&D credit and now you know, their cash their cash is tight. Um, this ability to get you know, 20, 30, 60, 100 even to up to $250,000 of credit is a real benefit to them. Uh, as they're trying to grow and fund operations
0: and it's it's still sort of being roll I mean we're finding companies all the time that didn't know about it right um, so it's it's not widely known even though it's becoming more more and more popular uh, with these startups it's not it has nothing to do with revenue right so it's it's all on your w2 spend Um
1: that's partially true.
0: Um, In terms of the calculation. Yes.
1: The calculation, the eligible expenses aren't revenue-dependent. Determ- there's, there's really two, two prongs you need to look at. One is, do you qualify for an R&D credit? And there's some rules around that and some exclusions. And so you need to go through and determine, hey, do we even call, qualify for a credit? And then you cost account for that and gather the associated expenses. But then to, ter- to determine whether you are are eligible to use the credit to, to offset payroll, cr- payroll taxes, you, there is a qualification that does look to your gross receipts. There's both a, uh, a gross receipt amount, and then there's a, time, a window period wherein you cannot have uh, gross receipts outside of that window. So the first test is in the year in which you're seeking to claim the credit, do you have more five million dollars or more of gross receipts? Now, gross receipts for these purposes are broadly defined. Uh, it used to be when I started, you would say um, gross receipts was, were line one C, so sales less returns and allowances, and and there was some a debate around that when I started my career twenty years ago. Then, in the late late uh, nineties, early two thousands, Congress issued some or Congress not. Not the IRS, not Congress, issued some regulations where they broadly defined gross receipts. So it includes not just sales, but rents, royalties, dividends, interest income, um, income from other activities. The only thing that really gets excluded now is gain from sale of capital assets. So, gross receipts is broadly defined. So, if you have five mil, less than $5 million of gross receipts in the year in which you are seeking to claim the credit, we refer to that as the determination year or the credit year. So, that's step one.
0: So, then if you meet that,
1: you're good to go to the you next. You go to step two, Yeah. which is the window period. So, Krong said, we want to limit this to a, a, a startup. And so, we are going to say, we're going to give you five a five-year gross receipt runway and if you have gross receipts before those those that five-year period and this is a re, this is a look back period then you are not eligible so do, do let me help you uh let me help the listener put that in context if you want to claim the uh r d credit as a payroll credit in 2018 for the 2018 tax year then you would look at 2017 2016 2015 20, sorry, count was 2018. So it could because it includes the year in which you're seeking to claim the credit. So it'd be 2018, 2017, 2016, 2015, 2014. That is your five-year look-back period. If you have any kind of gross receipts prior to 24, 2014, and that could be $10 of interest income. Yeah, there's
0: no de minimis. There is no de minimis.
1: Yeah. Then you are not, not eligible for the payroll credit play. I've seen um, companies get busted on this where they would convert from an, from an LLC or a C Corp or an S Corp to a C Corp. So they've got a short taxable year in that five-year window period. And that, that then breaks that or extends their five-year window out beyond that 2014 period. Because that short period counts
0: as a tax Ta- year. It does
1: count as a taxable year, yes.
0: But you could, in theory, have a company that started before that five-year window no revenue yes. whatsoever on the tax return, some expenses, so they're, maybe they're a pre-revenue for a year or two. As long as there's no item of revenue on their return, and they then they get in that five-year window, they should be okay. Correct. Yep. Yeah, so commonly
1: I, I um, kind of come across a couple companies where that's the exact scenario. They uh, have received investor income, or excuse me, they've re- re- received equity investment which then they have used that to fund operations and they did that for a couple of years before they received any income well the year or before they had any receipts the year of receipt is when you would start counting for the five-year period five-year window that the challenge becomes if you receive let's say you receive equity investment of a million bucks you put that in an interest-bearing account and you receive $1,500 Fifteen hundred dollars of interest over the year. Well, you've unfortunately lost out, or or that year would start counting. I had one client; it was a biotech where they received grant money from Utah in two years. I think it was twenty-five grand a year over two years, and then they had no other uh, receipts or or uh, investments at all from an income standpoint. But but they so. And this was in twenty twelve and twenty thirteen that they received this. So twenty seventeen was their last year in which they could claim the credit. Or twenty sixteen was rather. So that even though they didn't have any gross receipts prior or grants, in the intervening years, right? Those two grant years that's that, that set started the, the clock. That started the clock.
0: That's yeah. right. So there's some there's some nuance to it as well. So you again we're talking R&D credit for the payroll uh, offset. So even though you may be listening to this and say, "Oh, I have you know, I, I have income out of the five-year window," you can still take the R&D tax credit on a tax return. Uh, if you're in a loss position, you wouldn't be able to use it. It would sit there um, until you were profitable or until you had taxable income and can use it. We're specifically talking about using the credit to offset your payroll tax liability. So let's say you you qualify, you calculate the credit, you take it on a return, help people understand how does it go from putting the number on the income tax return to actually getting money back from the payroll tax perspective? Yeah,
1: the mechanics. So
0: there is a requirement
1: that you have to report this number or report and claim a federal research credit. On an originally filed, timely filed return, because that um, effectively what you do is you claim an R&D credit and then you make an election on that return to. Use it against payroll taxes. So you're informing the IRS, "Hey, I'm claiming an R&D credit, but I'm not going to use it against R&D against my income. I'm going to use it against payroll." So you do have to file that form, and then there's an election down under Section B where you check the box and you can indicate how much of the credit that you want to apply. Now, let's say you're a company that you started up and you didn't claim this in 2017. You filed your return and you've you're now, now, now 2018, right? Yeah. You, you want to claim it for 2018. You cannot take, go back and claim that R&D credit for 2017 against payroll taxes. That window has closed. Now it will carry over, and you can use it against payroll. You can use it against income taxes at some point. There's a 20-year tail on credit carryovers. But the federal credit, so let's say 2018, you've now filed your return, you've put in the R&D credit form, that's form 6765. You've checked the box in section D, says I want to elect to use it against payroll credit. Now there's a bridge form. So on the, pay, the payroll tax world, there's form 941 that you have to re- file on a quarterly basis where you, wherein you inform the IRS of your wages and your payroll tax liabilities and, and what you owe, right? What you're gonna remit over what you've collected. And then you've got your income tax form 6765. There's a bridge form called 8974, wherein you take the R&D credit information and your payroll tax information for the quarter, and you then do your offset on that form, and that form gets filed with your form 941 uh, for payroll taxes. So let's talk timing. The 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 rules there are some timing windows associated with this uh and it's done on a quarterly basis so the quarter in which you file your tax return the subsequent calendar quarter is when you can start applying the r d credit against payroll taxes Uh, so let's talk an example you we're dealing with a lot of 315 filers right now those companies file a return on 315. That means, according to the language of the IRS notice, they can start using that R&D credit offset payroll taxes starting April 1.
0: So Q2. So Q2, Q2. that's right.
1: Now, uh, many listeners may be using some payroll company, ADP, Gusto, um, maybe they're using a PEO. Each of those entities have their own policy requirements for when they will offset it uh, but technically if you look at the IRS language you can starting day one of the following quarter in which you file your return you can start utilizing that credit practically what they end up doing is they'll say okay I've got a, I've got a tax return a payroll tax return due April thirty April 30th I will take that R&D credit and offset against the payroll taxes that I will um, be uh, reporting on that April 30 or q1 payroll tax reform
0: yep yeah and that so that that's been when was the first year 2017 that we were able to do this or
1: 2016 this became effective for taxable years beginning after two that December 20 December 31st 2015 which for calendar year taxpayers is the 2016 tax year
0: so again, we're seeing we're seeing this more and more, but there's still a lot of companies out there that don't realize they have the ability to offset payroll tax. And again, that helps you instead of paying uh, cash to the government for payroll tax, you get to keep that in your pocket and help grow your business uh, and fund other operations. Uh, anything else that we're missing in terms of a high-level flyover of the of this topic?
1: Yeah, you know, the, you talk about utilization. So the ha- questions I frequently get are, what happens if I can't use it all? Do I lose it? Um, what's the window? Uh, what, what's the IRS audit uh, frequency on something like this? What are the concerns that I need to be aware of? So let's talk the, the um, usability of it. So the credit, whatever you elect, to apply against payroll taxes, and it's a maximum of R&D credits of $250,000 per year, and you can do this for five years. So potentially there's a $1.25 million pool of R&D credits you can use against payroll taxes. So if you can't use it all in a year, it will carry over for subsequent years until you use it all. So that, that's, you don't have to worry about it going away. Um, the question is what about uh, IRS audit frequency here Um, it's going on a currently filed return the in and of itself it generally does not trigger an IRS audit Uh, the IRS looks at it in in context of other uh, other tax positions on your on your tax return Um, we have it's it's still early enough we haven't yet seen any IRS audit activity around this so I can't uh, I have personally seen it and and, uh, none of my colleagues at other firms have shared any experiences with it either so uh, but if you do get audited it's you go back to does your activity qualify and you look at the eligibility requirements for an R&D credit and have you met that have you documented it you're still back to the basics of your R&D
0: credit project so contemporaneous documentation all that kind of stuff this This payroll play just helps us, helps our clients and our companies offset it against payroll tax. That's right. All the basics of an R&D tax credit study still apply. Correct. And this is just a federal provision. So for those that might be living in our state, state of Utah, listening to this, this is not a Utah, even though Utah has a fairly robust R&D tax credit, this payroll initiative to be able to offset your payroll taxes only from a federal perspective. It has nothing to do with any states. That's correct. Yeah, because it's because the payroll credit,
1: payroll taxes are the Social Security and Medicare component that is a levied on the federal level, and this will offset that Social Security component. So there's no state um, play here. But that doesn't mean you can't get an R&D credit for uh, the state on the state level, it would just go into a carryover position until you have income. Uh, same thing with uh, R&D credits for earlier years. What we often will do is the companies will come to us and hey, I just heard of the R&D credit. We've been around for three or four years. Uh, we get engaged and help them to do it, do uh, ca- and calculate R&D credits for those four, three or four years. The current year 2018 would they would use to offset payroll credits. Payroll taxes, and then the other credits from 15, 16, 17, they would go into a carryover basis, which sits on their tax balance sheet, for one of two reasons. One, the hopefully the company becomes profitable, and they can use it to offset those those income taxes. That again, that carryover is 20 years. The other play, or the other uh, potential, is it's a base, it's a tax asset on the balance sheet that can be used in the event that you get acquired then the acquirer can potentially use those credits to offset
0: its taxes. Right. So that's a good point. Outside of the monetization, if a company's doing the work necessary to quantify their R&D tax credits, it oftentimes helps to justify to a potential suitor, buyer, whatever, in the due diligence phase that, hey, this accounting team, finance team at this company, they have their arms around the issues. They're doing the work necessary. They've they've capitalized the asset on the balance sheet, and it gives them confidence that 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 team knows what they're doing. Now, there are topics we're not gonna go into today. Uh, Just the R&D tax credit and how you quantify it, how you substantiate it, contemporaneous documentation, that's a whole nother podcast. Uh, Hanging the asset on the balance sheet and having a valuation allowance discussion, that's a whole nother podcast. Um, uh, but with respect to today, uh, you've said a lot, payroll tax. Uh, hopefully, company or those listening today, uh, if you hear this and it applies to you, hopefully you're able to take advantage and and help monetize um, other activities in your business. Thanks for listening, and we will catch you next time.